DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. You hear him on the pre-half and post-game shows. Tim, good morning. Good morning. I didn't hear what PK, PK said now's the time, and then I heard about packing into a plane with peanuts. Um, <laughs> but that's all, that's all I took from that little piece that I heard. Well, I didn't even take that. Okay. Well, whatever it was, I'm I'm all for it. Are we talking about how now is the time that the Jazz? It's not a must must win in the purest sense, but it is extremely important. You do not want to go down 0-2 under any circumstance because the task gets awfully difficult. So we're talking about the need for folks to unveil their greatest superstition because I don't view it as a must win but I view it as darn near close. For me, it's a must win. I don't see, I don't see how, because I mean, really it's just the way Memphis came in here and I mean, it reminded me of, uh, you know, a a tough guy walking in and picking a target and going over and bullying the heck out of them. It really, that's what that game felt like. They got, they came in with an attitude, um, you know, so I think it's something where, especially these first two games being on your home court, I just think it's important. You got to get. I think this is is when they've they ha- they have to win if they're going to win the series. Okay, but we've heard all kinds of stuff about you know you play as well as you prepare and you get confidence from preparation and the Jazz prepared for thirty six hours and then threw it all out the window at about four or four thirty, and from the coaches to the players. There was a lack of confidence in what they were doing because that was the most unusual preparation they had all year. Unless I can, I can't think of anyone who got ruled out right before game time this year. They they missed guys, but they kind of knew it was coming. I think in most situations, uh, except maybe the Indiana game where they lose Donovan during the game. So. I write a lot of it. I mean, I know that Jazz shot the three poorly, and I know that uh, Dylan Brooks went nuts, but I think offensively and defensively, all the preparation was off. All those cliches, there's some truth in them, and the Jazz were on the wrong end of all those trends and all that preparation, the lack thereof. React, yeah, Coach. You, you been in that situation? Those, yeah, well, when you hear those guys talking about it, and I have been um, – you know, I've been in situations through the years where, you know, our plan for either our team or the other team changed, you know, when you go out to, to warm up and you've got a guy on your team that's going to kind of see if he can go or not. Um, you've got in your own mind, hey, this is the way this thing's going to go and then it goes a different way or vice versa. You know, another team you're playing is missing a guy or you're planning on a guy and then they don't play or they do play. Um, so it definitely affects, but I, I think the most concerning part to me was really that Memphis, as I watched the playoffs, you know, I watched Phoenix last night again, uh, play with great emotion. Um, obviously couldn't, couldn't win a second game because the Lakers understood the importance of it. Uh, but then you go watch the Maverick, um, Clipper game. I mean, if you're watching that Maverick Clipper series and the Mavericks just won two in, in in LA, I mean, I would love to see what the um, you know what the odds are now on the Clippers winning that series. It's just going to be really really hard. So, yeah, there, there's some part of it that is definitely 
the Jazz were, were disconnected. I think that's the word Rudy used. And, and you can kind of go back to the preparation piece. But I think that all, all well and good, but they've played without Donovan and they beat teams. They beat this team without him. Um, so I think there was just a little bit of, of what Memphis came in with an, with an idea. Hey, we're going to really muddy this game up. We're going to play really physical. We're going to talk a lot. And I think ultimately that all that stuff and then the fact that Jazz couldn't make a shot from, you know, pretty much anybody, those things all really kind of uh, tumbled into a really bad afternoon. So there's no question about that. I agree with everything you said, and I'm, I'm I believe that the Jazz will uh, catch up on the shooting. I don't believe Dylan Brooks will go berserk again. But the one thing that concerns me is Morant because I saw him do it against the Warriors in that winner take all game, and then he came right back in game one and did it against the Jazz. So that's my biggest concern from the Jazz perspective looking at the Grizzlies is how are they going to slow down what Morant's able to do? Well, I, I thought, thought that, you know, one of the areas that we talked about in preparation and pregame uh, on Sunday was that you can't have live ball turnovers against John Morant because he is a one-man fast break. Well, the Jazz did a nice job of, you know, they had 12 um, – I think they only gave up about six points, so they're able to stop the, the play um, or get back and defend it. But what really is the most concerning piece is just the way that Ja closed the game, and that's what reminded me, uh, like you say, of the Warriors series. You know, a high ball screen um, where he's or or a wing ball screen where he's just on attack, and when Favors was in there. Ja was able to get that corner nearly every time. You know, the hedge did not really work. Um, and then he is so good in that floater range, which is, you know, by statistic, it's a shot that um, if you're going to give something up, you're going to give up kind of a floater from the mid-range more so than the rim or the three. But Ja makes that really look easy with great regularity. So what's going to be interesting to me is as the game winds down and if we've got a close one you know, there's no doubt what memphis is going to do offensively you know how do the jazz counter um and people would say well what would you suggest what do you, what do teams do and you saw in the warriors game um you know when steph had the ball uh he was double teamed everywhere and so maybe late in the shot clock or late in a game perhaps maybe a double team to get the ball out of jaw's hand and really favor the ball to go somewhere to a guy like Kyle Anderson, who doesn't shoot, he shoots 36% from three, but it's not his thing. Um, you know, he's not just going to be a guy that catches it quick and gets it off. So there are going to be some, some adjustments, but I'm with you that the way the job played and the way he kind of went anywhere he wanted to on the floor, that makes you nervous in a series. How much of that was because Rudy played 25 minutes and some of that 25 he was uh, not as aggressive as normal because he was in foul trouble and he didn't want to foul out, although he ultimately did. So how much is Rudy not in foul trouble changed that whole equation of defending Ja? Well, I think him being on the floor more minutes is obviously a really good thing. Um, and when he's out there, you know, he does a, a really good job of maintaining the edge uh, on a hedge, being able to drop but still really kind of affect a floater um you know i don't think it's the be all end all i think jaw's going to be 
job, but I think that Rudy will lessen the impact. Um, and it's way more important, obviously, that he's out there in crunch time because that's, you know, that's what you really need out of him. I, I've gotten to the point with a lot of these games where I won't hardly even watch the first quarter, second quarter. I'll flip the game on. Uh, I'm talking other games in the NBA, like last night. I'll go watch the third and fourth, and you can pretty much get an idea of what's going on. Uh, so that's when you want Rudy on the floor. He needs to be out there. The foul trouble was definitely a huge impact, and, and it lessened his ability to be aggressive because, like he said, wasn't sure what was a foul and what wasn't that night, um, which is a common occurrence when I watch Ken Maurer officiate, by the way. You don't like Ken Maurer? Not a big Ken Maurer fan. Who's Ken Maurer? Referee yeah, slicks his hair straight back. Well, I know he's a referee, but I want to know which, which one so I can look for him. Middle name, first name, Ken, middle name, Ego. Oh, you there's, got a problem with Ken Maurer, huh? Well, there's just a good amount of it, – it's the the character type of officials like that. I, I love an official who will sit and talk to you and, you know, but this guy's a – you can tell he's a – he is an egomaniac, and he had his fingerprints all over that game on Sunday. But that's enough about referees. All right. Go ahead, DJ. I got to pull a U. I got to see who Ken Maurer is. <laughs> M-A- Fifty-year-old white guy. Fifty. Fifty-year-old white guy. Hair slicked straight back. Okay. He's fifty. Oh, I think so. He's been doing games a long time. He's Sixty-six. He's sixty-six. You got to be older than fifty. Fifty. <laughs> when you're saying fifty hairs, fifty-year-old white guy's hair slicked straight back, I thought you're describing me. Hey <laughs> All right, I got his picture here. All right, there you go. Now he's got him locked down. Uh, would you do anything to get uh, Jordan Clarkson going, or would you just tell Jordan Clarkson to take his 15 or whatever shots and, uh, you know, it'll happen? That's the beauty of Jordan. Um, he, he's going to take the same shots. And, you know, the shot that is definitely there for these guys to make um, with, with the way Memphis guards ball screens is as if they can get a nice, good uh, screen at the top of the key – there's nobody there on the help. You know, they don't bring a guy up. So, uh, Valanchunas, if there's a ball screen, he's 10 to 12 feet dropped in the paint waiting for the roll and trying to, you know, muddy up any kind of penetration. So, Donovan, when he played in the games one and two, or first two games this season uh, in March, I think it's March 24th and 26th or something like that, the two games at home that the Jazz played the Grizzlies, he did a great job at top of the key, coming off, getting a little bit of space, and making that off-the-bounce three. I think that three is going to be important. I think Jordan is another guy who can make it. He hasn't been making it very well lately. And, you know, he just threw a zero up on the board for the first time in years uh, in a game from three. So I would say that was a, that's an outlier. Um, you know, awesome, he won the sixth man of the year. Hopefully that gives him a little bit of uh, – of confidence, but I, I don't think he lacks for confidence. Like you said, I think he's going to go out and play Jordan Clarkson basketball. And really the ball's going to go in or the ball's not. And hopefully tonight it goes in because the Jazz do need a couple dudes just to kind of lead out and make shots. Okay, but if it doesn't go in from three, do you just keep firing it up or do you try something different? Because with well, Clarkson individually, he can get to the basket and he's very creative. Yeah, his counter, his counter is that. Um, no, I, I still believe he needs to shoot. 
and he still needs to shoot threes. I'm not the kind of guy if you miss a couple because Jordan's shown that. I mean, the Warriors game a couple weeks ago, you know, he was he was he couldn't make anything the first three quarters, and then he went crazy in the fourth quarter. And that's always there for him unless he stops shooting. Um, but to your point, PK, yes, I think you miss a couple. You know, the, the one thing you always try to do is you're, you're going to shoot good looks. But as a whole, I think the Jazz need to be more aggressive offensively. Uh, like I said, I think Memphis threw the first punch, um, and they landed it. And Dylan Brooks was, you know, the, the heel of the game. Uh, I'm sure, the, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of attention to him. Um, I wouldn't mind somebody just screening him really hard with him. As Majerus used to say, within the context of the rules, just put that guy on his tail uh, early on to, to send a message that tonight's going to be a little bit different. And um, but for Clarkson, yeah, he needs to shoot threes, but he also needs to get to that that other part of his game. And, and again, part of the reason that that's not as, as excuse me as available is the way that Memphis drops their big and really kind of takes advantage of um, you know being kind of already pre, pre-set in the paint if somebody are, is to drive. So stuff that they've got to work work out and work around, ball movement will be a key um, to be able to get what they want. Tim Lacombe joining us, Jazz pre, half, and post-game radio. Do you have any superstitions? Oh, tons. What do you got? Well, I'll tell a funny story. When, when the Jazz were in the finals, I was living in in Austin, Texas. Um, but in the early rounds, this is really I'm gonna I'll I'll tell the story, but you, you'll never look at me the same again. Um, my kids, my little daughter was really into Cheetos, and I I decided that one of these Cheetos was the chosen Cheeto, and it was actually going to be a the lucky Cheeto. And so for all those Jazz games through that whole run. It was basically sat in a bowl by itself and almost worshipped. Um, <laughs> Cheeto got us to the finals, man. And uh, so, yeah, I, I used to wear same same pair of socks, you know. Uh, obviously, washed, you know. But I'd have winning ties when I coached um, shirts that, you know, after you lose, you throw them away. That sort of stuff. So, yes, I'm very superstitious. We're giving away tickets to tonight's game to whoever has oh, man, the, I would best, the best superstition. It's got to be a proven winner. And people are sending in right now. They're using the app. They're using the open mic feature. They're sending it to Yak. He's sorting through them. And he says they're hilarious, but we don't get to know what they are. We hear them on the air for the first time. Yak's the only one who knows right now. Really? He, he says they're and hilarious. The one you're just choosing the one that... The one that makes us be- laugh the most will get tickets tonight. Entertain well, I, I us. Chosen Cheeto fit was that a good one? That was good. I liked it. I don't think it'll win tickets. It'll be a better one, but it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a terrible submission. I mean, the chosen Cheeto just sounds funny. So I like that. Worshiping yeah, a Cheeto. Just, Come on. You know, you go through the bag and you say this is the one, and then you set it apart from all the others. You don't eat it. It has its own area, and when the game comes out, you you present it to the television. Yeah, that's that's, that's how DJ picked his wife. Actually, it was probably the other way around. <laughs> I got news for you. She was from Russia, and she got a she, or, she got a mail order American. 
<laughs> DJ showed up. I think that uh, that's the way it works for most most guys. They are chosen. They think they're choosing, but they they are chosen. Yeah, my life my wife got a really bad hop. <laughs> All right, Tim, stay tuned to the next segment. You can hear all the superstitions, and uh, we will get a winner coming up. People have a few more minutes to enter right now. Tim, thanks for joining us. We'll hear you tonight, 7 o'clock on the pregame. Game tips off at 8. Hey, guys. Yes, Tim. Go, Jazz. Tim McComb, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Your superstitions for free jazz tickets next.